Rescue the Fosters is about changing the foster system. We want to ensure every child has a safe environment to grow and become healthy, successful adults. Additionally, when I was in the foster care system, I had to defend for myself. Rescue the Foster is here to empower the youth aging out of the system and offer resources to ensure they are not dependent on the government. What we observed was that children become institutionalized and end up in prison and providing the government with more funds. Rescue the Foster will provide coaching, resume writing, interview skills, professional attire for interviews, budgeting, applying for college, and obtaining housing. We want these youth to live the most free and successful life possible. It is their right and our responsibility to ensure that our future kids and grandchildren can live happy lives. Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans that prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. My name is Chris Elston, I'm known as Billboard Chris, and I'm traveling the country, literally hanging out on street corners and going to busy events, going to wherever the people are, just to have conversations about gender ideology, mainly the medical harm that is coming to kids when they want to switch their sex. Because we have children who are being indoctrinated either in school or primarily on social media as well, to believe that it is stereotypes that determine their sex. Or their gender. So overwhelmingly uh, it is supportive. At least I would say nine out of ten people support what I'm doing. People know instinctively this is wrong. We should be letting children grow up because it's not stereotypes that define who they are. And if a child is gender non-conforming we should just encourage that. That's fine. You don't need pharmaceutical drugs, cross-sex hormones and surgeries to find your true inner self. But people understand this. People are supportive. It's just most of the supportive people are quiet. I'm just gonna keep traveling the country, keep having these conversations because I know eventually we win this battle. It's just a question of how much damage is done to children before that happens. Good evening and welcome to Rescue the Fosters. I am Gino, your host, and I have my two co-pilots in the seats next to me, Sylvia Beachy and KK Emmett. How are you, ladies? Good, how are you? Doing good? How are you? How are you? Doing great, thank you. We have another great guest on tonight. Chris Elston is joining us, a.k.a. Billboard Chris. And uh, we were talking just before we went live here. Um, what a fascinating guy. I mean, we need more people like Chris that are willing to stand up against this, you know, I, I, I call it authority, but it's really, um, it's dictatorial. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not the authority we're used to in a free West. And Chris is standing up to this transgenderism and all this nonsense that they're indoctrinating our children with. And we are just pleased to have you here, Chris. I'm going to go ahead and read your bio and uh, show your website here. So Chris Elston, also known as Billboard Chris, is a father of two girls from Vancouver, Canada, who has been traveling North America since 2020, having street conversations, generating media, and reaching millions of people about the dangers of gender ideology. Specifically, the practice of giving children harmful puberty-blocking drugs, cross-sex hormones, and surgeries. Chris continues to expose his, this, this pseudoscience. Chris Elston, welcome to Rescue the Fosters. How are you? Great. Thank you so much. Thanks for showing that introductory video. 
that was filmed almost two years ago. A guy came out on the street with me in Prince Edward Island when I traveled there, which is in one of the small maritime provinces on the east coast of Canada. And I say in that video that most of the supportive people are quiet, but I'm happy to say that's not really the case anymore. Everyone's talking about this now. Nobody was talking about this two years ago, and now the entire conservative movement's talking about it. So mm. I think we've made a lot of progress since then. I think we have. I think there's a whole swath of, especially here in America, of people that are in the middle. They either vote one way, they vote another way. It just depends <clears> on the wind. Um, but I really feel like there's a bunch of people that are waking up to what's going on and realizing, you know what? I don't really like this. It's affecting a lot of, you know, at first it was like, okay, well, it's a small percentage of people. It doesn't really affect my own life. But it's been, you know, pushed on all of us so hard, whether it's in our schools, in our medicine, wherever. A billboard, you can drive, you know, speaking of billboards, driving down any street, it's being promoted here. And I'm in Michigan, it's being promoted. And you just sit there and you shake your head. You're like, just five years ago, you would have thought, well, okay, these are a few radicals and it's probably not going to go anywhere. But that's not the case, is it, Chris? No, this, uh, sorry, I got distracted because my family walked in and we're making a bunch of noise. Oh, no problem. No problem. But uh, no, this isn't just a fringe issue at all. This is affecting hundreds of thousands of kids. The New York Times reported last year, 300,000 kids have been diagnosed officially with gender dysphoria. The actual number would be much higher than that. And when we talk about gender dysphoria, I wouldn't even categorize what these kids have today as actual gender dysphoria. This is just a craze they're caught up in. This is a cult that's infected all corners of society. And it's being pushed by every major national and international institution. And it's all based on a lie. The entire thing is all one big lie. There is no such thing as a transgender child. They're called girls and boys. There's no such thing as a gender identity. We don't have gender identities. We have personalities. And there's no right way to be a boy or a girl. But all these kids who are struggling and kids who are in the foster system are especially vulnerable because these are all kids who tend to be struggling and have had trauma in their life. They're falling for this lie that they were born in the wrong body, which is an extremely abusive thing to say to a child, mm -hmm. and that they won't find true happiness unless they medically transition. So the whole thing needs to go, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think it needs to go in the dustbin of history really quick here because we have people that have mental challenges and they're not being addressed. They're addressing it as a physical challenge. Like, you know, but but the mental aspect of this has been like thrown out with the wind. I don't understand why we wouldn't address the root problem unless there's an agenda behind it. And I think we all understand there is an agenda behind that. So, Chris, let's go back to the beginning. What what really got you off your hand sitting in your seat at home, your your you know, your love seat watching your favorite comedy on a, you know, Tuesday night and all of a sudden one night you're just like, you know, I think I want to travel around Canada and in the U.S. and and expose this stuff. What, what got you moving? Yeah, well, it didn't evolve quite that way. So I think in 2019, I first saw this term puberty blockers. And as a dad of two girls who at the time were probably seven and nine or eight and 10 years old, I said, what the heck are those? And I'm just the type of person who researches things. And so I started reading up on these drugs. And they're exactly what they sound like. This is a, mm -hmm. actually a cancer drug being given to children because it happens to stop puberty. It stops their body's secondary sex characteristics from developing. So girls' breasts won't grow. Their hips don't get wider. Boys' penises don't grow. 
it's affecting these kids' bone density because one of the side effects is bone demineralization. There's all sorts of other problems. And this is just the first step in this process because the idea of puberty blockers is to prevent the child from looking more like their sex because apparently that would be traumatic if a girl were to look more like a girl or to grow into a woman. So they stop that from happening. Then they give the opposite sexes hormones to make them look like a boy or a man. Testosterone given to girls is extremely damaging, causes vaginal and uterine atrophy. They have to get hysterectomies after four or five years. So now we're sending teenage girls into menopause. Just the puberty blockers on their own send them into men menopause. But the whole thing's insane. And they're doing surgeries on kids too. In California, they're doing double mastectomies on girls as young as 12 years old at Kaiser Permanente. I've got video of the psychiatrist there. His name's Kellen Lackhart. He admits to it on video. He's asked a question, what is, what's the youngest kids you guys have done surgeries on? And for girls, for the double mastectomies, it's 12 years old. And for boys, where they castrate these boys and invert their penis into a wound called a neovagina, they've done this on 16 years old, 16 year olds. They start the process, he says, at 15, which I think what he means by that is hair removal because they have to do that for six months to a year in advance. But the whole thing's insane. When you do the research into this, all these kids are struggling with other mental health issues. There's been trauma, there's been abuse, there's been sexual abuse. Kids in the foster system are way overrepresented. Parents are 10 times as more likely to have been sex offenders. It's just struggling kids and they're being treated as though gender is the problem. And who am I? I'm nobody. I'm just some dad living out in the suburbs. But my main identity in this life, if we want to talk identity politics, is I'm a dad. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to let my girls or their friends or kids they're going to school with fall into this trap without a fight. Because this is a cult that is preying on the most vulnerable kids. And I'm not going to live in a world that's trying to change the sex of children. Or I'm not sending my girls out into a world that doesn't know what a woman is anymore. Mm -hmm. So I just had enough. I had enough of this whole culture. There's all sorts of things going wrong. And so in September 2020, I put up a big billboard following the lead of a woman in England who put up a poster at the Edinburgh train station. And this billboard said the extremely controversial, I love JK Rowling, the Harry Potter author. <laughs> She, of course, has spoken out about all yeah. this child abuse and the women's rights issues. And I had gotten tired of our freedom of speech being taken away from us. This poster that went up at the Edinburgh train station that this woman named Kelly J. Keene put up only lasted a day because some people on Twitter complained that it was hate speech to love the world's most popular children's author. And the train authority took it down. So I put up a big billboard that said the same thing. It also lasted just one day. A Vancouver city councilor said it was hate speech. She pressured the sign company. They took it down. It's got a big red heart on it, but they called it hate speech. And so then, because I'm not going to let these wow. people win, I doubled down and I put up billboards in San Francisco, Utah, Los Angeles, Portland, all throughout the Metro in Washington, DC, and then Times Square. And then because I couldn't do anything in Canada, no sign companies would work with me. I have no platform, I'm nobody. I said, well, they can take down my billboard, but they can't take one off my back. So I had some signs made and I started going outside because it's been my vision from before the very first billboard went up. I just want to have conversations about this to make people aware. And I want to start conversations about it. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm trying to do is get people talking to create awareness. 
and I haven't stopped since. So there you go. Well, I think it's amazing. I, I actually can relate to your story quite well. I have a good friend that um, for years, it's probably been almost 20 years now, he, he goes out and protests abortion. So he wears the same type of billboard on himself and he has other signs that he carries. And, you know, some of it's very graphic and people don't like it and he gets assaulted quite often. Uh, I mean, he's been, they've tried to run him over on his bike. Um, they've done a, the terrible things to him, but nothing ever gets done lawfully to, uh, you know, get these people either put behind bars or at least in a, you know, take it to some kind of court and hear it out. It's never done. These people just get off, you know, they pay a small fine and they're back out on the streets doing the same thing. Is that kind of the same thing that you've run into? I mean, are you running into a lot of violence and people making threats against you and your family? Yeah. So, oh boy, we don't have enough time to get into all that, but <laughs> yeah, I've been assaulted. I don't know, 25 times. If you include people spitting on me and things like that, punched probably a dozen times. I had my arm broken by Antifa. I got jumped in Montreal. I've had three people arrested. One ended up with a criminal record. Jessica Yaniv, this man who now says he's a woman. He's kind of famous because he called up all these estheticians, most of them working out of their homes, most of them from India. Many of them barely spoke English. And he wanted them to wax his genitalia. And they don't do that service because they're estheticians treating women, of course. And so they said no when they found out he was a man wanting that service. And immediately he said that they were discriminating against him on the basis of his gender identity. And he took them to the Human Rights Tribunal. Oh my gosh. The Human Rights Tribunal heard three of the separate cases. This happened to about 20 women. And he lost them all, fortunately. And he had to pay them each a $2,000 fine. Good. But this guy's just a huge menace up here in Canada. And one day he came out on the street threatening to kill me in, from his car. And I got it on camera and police wanted to arrest this guy because he's just a major nuisance. He'd called the RCMP over 2,000 times in the previous year. And they'd had enough of him. So you're not allowed to utter threats. You're not allowed to say you want to kill people. He'd also said I was calling him bomb threats and stuff like that. So they charged him with two counts of public mischief as well. And he ended up finally getting a criminal record. So that's the only one who's actually gotten a criminal record. Another guy who tried to spit on me was forced to do anger management counseling. This other guy who punched me in Ottawa, they didn't do anything. And then all the other times I've been assaulted, nothing's ever come of it. Police didn't even bother to investigate the people who broke my arm in Montreal. I was mobbed by 200 university students in Ottawa, punched, painted on, spat on, had my signs destroyed, had my car keyed, all in the presence of 12 police officers, members of parliament and city councillors watching on, cheering it all on. I kid you not. And police did nothing. So normally they do nothing, but a few times they've been all right. But it's just one of those things. The uh, government, medical organizations, the schools, they're all in on this idea of gender identity and the police consider people like myself to be the bad guys apparently they don't want to put a so-called transgender person in handcuffs so they have free reign to commit violence mm -hmm. wow how does your family feel about this chris you know they they i mean i would guess they're a little nervous at times well i think they're pretty used to it now <laughs> but <laughs> my family is extremely supportive of course uh, my girls are amazing. I don't worry about them at all in the public school system because they know more about this than 99.999% of adults. Mm. And if anything, they're a positive 
role model and a positive influence for other kids in school who might be struggling with this. And I hear all the time that parents need to pull their kids out of the public school system and homeschool them. And I would push back on that a bit and say, well, it depends on your child and it depends on you and it depends how much they know and it depends on their teacher and their school and the principal and everything. For sure, if you have a child with autism, for example, half these kids who are transitioning today are on the autism spectrum. If your child has autism and you have a teacher with pink hair, you're probably in trouble and probably need to pull your child out of school. But it depends on the situation. So the number one thing parents can do is educate their own kids, have these conversations when the time is right, and also talk to your teacher at the beginning of the year. Ask this, ask, just ask the teacher, where do you stand on gender ideology? Are you going to be teaching this nonsense to my kid? And you'll get a feeling right away for where they stand. Because most teachers are not teaching this, because most are still normal. It's primarily the young woke ones who are teaching it. That's not all of these teachers. So it just depends on the situation. But yeah, my family's amazing. Uh, they make a lot of sacrifices with me being gone a lot of the time. I'm still home most of the time, but it is hard, of course. But it's a sacrifice that has to be made. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm glad you brought up the point of homeschooling because if if we don't, if we're not a light in the school systems, the public school system. Who's going to stop the indoctrination? I mean, there has to be some good kids in there that have good parents that are teaching them the, the proper moral etiquette and, and how life is supposed to operate. And, and getting those kids in there, and if they're vocal, especially if they're vocal, um, I think that's an important factor. So if, we can't just pull mm -hmm. them all out and let, because right. the public system's going to function no matter what. I mean, they're funded by taxpayer dollars. That's always going to be there, unfortunately. But we can at least halt the progress of their indoctrination. Would you agree with that? Yeah. And there was a teacher in my daughter's elementary school last year. So I now have one daughter in grade eight. My other one's in grade five. Last year, when my girl was in grade seven, in one of the other grade seven classes, there is a problem teacher who teaches this gender business. Three boys in the class in grade seven we're talking 12 year olds made the teacher cry because they insisted that boys had no place in girls sports and they made the teacher cry. Unreal. So good on the boys for standing up. <laughs> Absolutely. They have good parents. I know some of their parents and they're being a positive influence in the school system, but this teacher is a problem. So guess what? This year that teacher is teaching grade five the grade that my youngest daughter is in mm -mm. but the school knows all about me so guess who's never going to get that teacher my daughter <laughs> and all of her friends her best friends didn't get that teacher because yeah i'm gonna raise hell if yeah. anyone starts teaching this stuff to my kids and they know this i've met with the school district the superintendent they're all aware of what i'm doing of course so again most of the people even in the school district don't agree with this but it comes from the top down this is coming from the government and it's being pushed down. And of course the unions push this because they're all run by radical leftists. Mm -hmm. But most teachers are still normal and they don't want to teach that girls are boys and boys are girls. Mm -hmm. Do you have other parents that are backing you? I mean, vocal mm -hmm. enough? Yeah, there's or... tons of support out there. Great. More and more all the time. It, Canadians are a bit of a different breed. We, we aren't really good at fighting back against this sort of stuff. We've never had to fight back really. Mm -hmm against much in our history. The United States was born out of rebellion. They rebelled against the king. We obviously did not. And that culture has 
existed ever since the founding of the United States. And it's just different. Yeah. Up here, everyone's just too passive. We don't have any conservative media really either. That doesn't help the situation because everyone's getting lied to constantly by our three main media sources. But it is changing a lot the last six months, big time. A lot of people are aware of this and they just don't know what to do. And there aren't any organizations fighting this up here. So everyone's just pretty much on their own, but hopefully we can change that going forward. Right. Yeah. Sylvia, you got something to say? Sorry. No, I, I just thank you for speaking up because when one person does speak up, it does empower the other people to speak up. And we've seen that happen. And then also like the foster system, like you're saying, I have been, ever since I worked in the foster system, it's our foster youth that are being the most harmed because they don't have anyone advocating for them, like you said. And they do test these psychotropic medications on them. And the puberty blockers, we learned back in 2016, we were having to take classes as caseworkers um, on the transgender stuff. That's where I learned what cisgender was. Um, and it was a mandatory class that is taught every year to the caseworkers and you have to stay on top of it. And, and the uh, LGBTQ community is pushed on the kids. The kids are, are pushed into that of the, the gay, lesbian. Uh, and then there also another thing is there's a lot of sexually abused kids in the system and sexually abused kids also see it differently too. Their, their outlook on, on uh, transgender and confusion, everything is different. Um, and they're just pushed into it and they don't have anyone to really explain it to them and say, no, you don't have to go forward with this, you know? Yeah, these kids who've been sexually abused and it's boys and girls. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But with for a girl, for example, how's she feeling about life right now that she's been getting sexually abused okay. by maybe a parent or maybe a foster parent? Who knows? It could be anyone, but she's not loving being a girl right now because this to her is the greatest trauma that she's ever experienced in her life. And if you give this girl an out, an escape route where she can just identify as a boy, well, some of them will take you up on that offer because they're just trying to escape this trauma and this abuse that they're experiencing. I talked to a, a boy. He came up to me at this pride event I went to last year in Burnaby, British Columbia. And I don't approach anyone. I just wait for them to come up to me. But this 15-year-old boy came up and he wanted to have a conversation with me. And he told me that he'd been raped as a child. Now he's transitioning. He's on estrogen. He's developed breasts. Who knows what's going on in this kid's head, but it's obviously had a dramatic impact on his life. And instead of treating him for the trauma, when he says, I'm actually a girl on the inside, what do they do? They just give him estrogen straight away. Yep. They don't challenge any of this stuff. They don't try to treat any of the underlying factors. And they're going away from all therapy completely because they consider it to invalidate a person's gender identity. If, so, if a girl says she's a boy, the role of these... CPS officials, the role of these therapists now is simply to affirm them. Because mm -hmm. if they question it, it at all, well, that's now deemed to be abuse. Because you're suggesting that there's something wrong with them for having this gender identity. 
So they don't do any therapy anymore. And they just give these kids drugs and hormones. We've got this one psychologist in British Columbia, where I'm from. His name's Wallace Wong. He works for the British Columbia Ministry of Children and Families. He gave a talk at the Vancouver Public Library three or four years ago, where he said he's personally transitioning more than 1,000 children, wow. including more than 500 in the foster system. Wow. Yeah. That's almost 10% of all the kids in foster care in British Columbia. One psychologist is socially transitioned. So when I say social transition, I actually prefer the term psychological transition. Yeah. This is where you give a kid a new name, a new pronouns. This is a psychosocial intervention that is not harmless. It's very harmful. And Dr. Cass from the UK, who conducted a huge investigation into all of this and released a very long report that anyone can read, Dr. Hilary Cass, she herself says that this social transition is not a benign thing. It's very damaging. And of course it's damaging. Think about this. Every time you call a girl a boy, you are reaffirming that there's something wrong with her, that she was born wrong. She was born in the wrong body. She should have been a boy. That, that right there is super abusive. Mm -hmm. It's mentally destructive. And then every time you use those wrong pronouns, you're reaffirming it over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And now these kids come to believe that if they don't medically transition, they'll never find true happiness and they're gonna kill themselves. That's what they teach these kids. So I'm so thankful to talk to you guys today because we need to talk about what's happening to these foster kids and we need to talk about CPS because CPS is not oh, yeah. here for these kids. CPS is the enemy of these children and they're, they're the enemy of parents. Amen. I, I wanted to say something. I, I do believe that uh, CPS and, and DFACS, they, they do push that on the kids. Like they want them to be, you know, confused on who they are and their gender. Cause you know, I was in the foster care system, system too. And I did see that a lot. Like, especially when they have like a facility where there's all girls or all boys, they're gonna be confused because they're gonna be like, well, I'm around all girls and I'm around all guys. So why not? I just like a girl and like a guy. And that's not really, you know, the case. And yeah, so I've witnessed that a lot. And even myself, like I've had women come on to me and want to like me and try to confuse me and stuff like that. And then, you know, I mean, I have my own testimony about that, but I've, I've been through that and witnessed that. And so, yeah, it's yeah. time to talk about this, you know? Well, I'm super thankful you're doing what you're doing now because that must have been extremely hard for you. The yeah. foster system is full of examples where they're grooming these kids and separating them from their parents. I'll tell one particularly egregious example. There's a woman in California. Her name's Abigail Martinez, and I've spoken to her personally, and I've listened to her give a speech on this at the Heritage Foundation last year. You, you know about her, Gino? I've heard of her, yes. I've watched okay. her videos. Mm -hmm. So her family is from El Salvador originally. They were living in California, and her daughter, Yaley, grew up just normal girl, girly girl, wearing princess dresses, all that. She got into high school, started to get teased and bullied about her body, 
these are normal things, of course. It's, it's very normal for teenage girls to have body image issues. I think it's safe to say they all do, especially in today's culture. But this girl was having a tough time and she started going to the school's, oh, what's it called? The My brain isn't working. The school's rainbow club, the gender and sexuality club, whatever they're called. Oh, and the Gay Straight Alliance, the GSAs, or the Gender and Sexuality Alliance clubs, where these are lunchtime clubs or after school clubs where mm -hmm. they indoctrinate these kids into gender ideology. And this girl came to believe that she was really a boy. She's a boy on the inside. And so she was socially transitioned at school with a new name and pronouns. The school hid this from her mom. Wow. Now, this is extremely important. This is happening all across the United States, all over Canada, all over the world. But as parents, you need to find out what the policy is in your school district, because all over the place, these kids are being transitioned at school and parents are not told what's happening because these schools consider parents to be a threat to their own child. Yep. They come at this from the default <laughs> that parents are a menace. These teachers are already mandatory reporters. If they think there's abuse going on in the home, they already have to report it to CPS. But in these cases, they don't even think that. They just assume mm. it could be an abusive situation. Right. And they're keeping secrets from parents. It's yep. just one of the stages of grooming. So this happened with this girl. One of the reasons they didn't tell her mom is because her mom was Catholic. And they just assumed she'd be against all this. Now, when her mom eventually did find out, it was kind of too late. This girl had been excessively groomed and indoctrinated already but her mom was even fine with going along with this new name for her daughter and new pronouns she was okay she just wanted her daughter to get better she saw this as a stage she knew that giving testosterone to her girl was not the right decision because guess what parents know their kids mm -hmm. way more than some teacher who spent 20 days with this kid six hours a day they know nothing no one loves their kids like a parent does. This mom knew, of course, that testosterone wasn't the right thing for her girl, but the state of California took her away. They put her into state care. They put her into a group home with other trans kids. They put this girl on testosterone, the state of California did. And while she was still separated from her mom on testosterone, she knelt down in front of a train. Gosh, yeah. Police had to pick her body up in pieces. The state of California killed that girl. Wow. Her they mom did not have any right to protect her own daughter. And this is happening all over the place. There's a girl named Sage who was human trafficked out of Virginia into DC, then into Maryland. When she was found a month and a half later, she'd been locked in a room, gang raped, she'd been drugged, and they were using her for porn to make money. They eventually found her. Instead of returning her home, they didn't do that because her parents called her by her real name, Sage and called her a girl. So now the state of Maryland thought her own parents were a threat to her after she'd just been through all that drama. She'd been groomed online. She went to meet someone online. She got human traffic. The school had hid this from her parents as well, that her daughter was socially transitioned. If the parents had known, they would have been able to get her help and none of this human trafficking would have ever even happened. But they refused to return the girl home. They put her into a group home with boys. <laughs> uh, what just can, what been can go getting wrong? Yeah. human trafficked and gang raped and all that. 
They put her in a group home with boys where, of course, she was assaulted again. Of course. She ran away. She was trafficked again. Found months later in Texas this time. Same thing had happened. Locked in a room, drugged, all that. She's finally back home with her parents. But this is what happens when you keep these secrets from parents and you're grooming these kids to think there's something wrong with them. And they're online meeting up with strangers. Virginia tried to pass a law called Sage's Law to stop these schools from keeping secrets from parents. Not one Democrat voted for the bill. Wow. So people say, Chris, you politicize this too much. Well, okay, so voters are not the same as the politicians. The Democratic Party, when it comes to the politicians, they're all in on pushing this. Yes. Yeah. There's not one prominent Democrat anywhere who's spoken out against any of this. When it comes to the voters, they're not all in favor of this. I can tell you more than 90% of the population for sure does not agree with this because I've had more conversations out on the street and at university campuses all across North America. I've had more conversations about this than anyone in the world. And it's overwhelming support. But these politicians and these TQ organizations and these nonprofits and the UN and everything are all pushing this. So we just got to keep creating awareness and put yeah. pressure on these elected officials and vote them out, honestly, because yeah. they're all just doing the work for extreme activists on the left. Yeah, it's the propagandized uh, mainstream media that's pushing all this garbage. And you're right. I mean, I have Democratic friends and they don't agree with this stuff. Mm-hmm. but yet they'll keep voting Democrat. And I, and that's the part that right. just blows my mind. I'm like, how can you vote for this? You know, they're going to support it. Why would you vote for that? You're complicit. If you're voting for that, you're complicit in what's going on. At some point you have to realize this is, you know, I can't keep backing this up. And that's the part that just boggles the mind, Chris. I I've seen it over and over again. And you know what? I'd rather you not vote, even though a non-vote usually ends up being a democratic vote, but at least you can sleep at night lay your head on a pillow with you know with your conscience not ringing what do you think is the ultimate driving force behind this indoctrination i mean i have my ideas one of them is going to sound very conspiratorial but i think depopulation has always been their dream uh these elites and you know what we see with the puberty blockers is obviously they're going to be infertile so i mean is 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 that part of it i mean is it much i hear that all the time Mm-hmm. So it doesn't hurt that depopulation agenda. And yes, this isn't a conspiracy. There are clearly people who want to have depopulation. I was watching one of the new Planet Earth episodes with David Attenborough, and he says right on there that we need to depopulate. Um, otherwise, super great, intelligent guy. But I don't think the numbers are big enough. Yes, there's tens of thousands of children who are being irreparably harmed, but I don't think the numbers are big enough that it creates a real dent or really creates a huge advance for the depopulation agenda. I just think it happens to not hurt it. This goes way back before the depopulation agenda. This theory of gender identity has been floating around academia for decades, all the way back to John Money in 1955. Hmm. This uh, crazy mad scientist pedophile who experimented on a twin boy who had lost his genitalia in a circumcision gone wrong. And this idea that we have these gender identities and our gender is a social construct and gender is different than your sex. This was some obscure idea floating around in academia, but it's now emerged from the mainstream, from the academic circles, it's emerged into the mainstream. And when gay rights were won around the turn of the century, around 2010, the goalposts moved for all these organizations. The new goal became trans rights. 
and they've been very successful in conflating trans rights with gay rights. And the four letters LGBT, now the LGBTQ, these letters together strike fear in the hearts of men and stops them from speaking about any of it. Because if you are to offer an opinion that we shouldn't be sterilizing children who identify as the opposite sex, well, apparently that makes you a bigot. And of course, Democrats, the last thing they want to be called is anti-LGBT, because as soon as you say anything about this, that's what you're called. So it's just given them free reign to advance this agenda with tons of money behind them. Because when gay rights were won, all these nonprofits don't just close up shop and say we achieved our objective. They need to keep the donations flowing. They need to keep the doors open and everyone employed. So the new objective became trans rights. And all of this falls under the umbrella of queer theory, which is what's being pushed throughout society by the far left. Queer theory wants to take everything that's perverse and abnormal and normalize it. This is part of that agenda. Pedophilia is part of it. Drag Queen Story Hour, everything. It's all part of queer theory. And it's the radicals on the far left who are running the whole show. So we just need to speak up because most leftists who are moderates aren't in favor of any of this stuff as well. But when it comes to the people in power, they're put there by activists. They're funded by these activist organizations who are all run by extremists. And this is just what happens when extremists run the show. So we got to take it back. And we do that first by educating the entire population. Once we get up to a certain critical mass, I think enough parents will be speaking out that eventually we undo this. And I think it comes unraveling it comes unraveled pretty quickly, but it's a very big job ahead of us, especially in the blue states. Yeah. Uh, I think you can even trace some of this back to the Kinsey Institute. I mean, what they were doing mm -hmm. with sexuality, just, you know, disgusting things. Um, yeah, it yeah, all goes I, back to the sexual revolution, really. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I, I didn't realize that uh, they were already talking about gender identity back then, but uh, I thought that was relatively yeah. new within the last 15, 20 sure. years. Early 60s, I think technically yeah. probably 55, John Money started using the word gender as we use it today. Um, and gender, this idea of having a gender identity was early 60s, but it's exploded now. And there's all sorts of backstory to it, but this mm -hmm. is coming from a hundred different angles. It's coming from everywhere. You know, this show, you, you mentioned CPS and what they're actually doing. That's what this show is really, really about. CPS, foster care, mm -hmm. the uh, all the, uh, it's really legalized trafficking of children. And um, everything's funded by taxpayers. Um, and, and you can add the uh, illegal crossings at the border to that mess with trafficking. And th we've had some great guests on this show, whether they were, uh, you know, survivors of the system or they're um, activists or like like Sylvia case managers or, or like KK, an actual foster uh, child. And we get all these different perspectives, but yet it's always comes back to the same point. It's never for the child. Never. 99.999% of the time, someone is injured by the system. And that, you know, that small percentage that escapes I don't know how they escape, to be honest, because the whole thing is so corrupt. And we've often talked on this show, you know, well, can it be reformed? I don't believe it can be reformed. I think the thing needs to be burned down, start over. Right. And that's a, that's figurative. I don't mean to, to, to burn it down in case anybody's listening yeah, yeah. to that wants to. <laughs> um, it needs, we need to start this thing over. And, it, and it, the government needs to keep their hands off of it. This needs to be private industries with oversight and or private citizens with oversight. I don't think there's... 
anything run by the government, it just seems like it always ends up in the same place. And and I know, gosh, you know, Canada, you're at least probably five, five, six, seven years ahead of us as far as, you know, the tyrannical reign going on there with, with your premier. Um, so would you agree with that? Would you, would, do you think it just needs to be torn down and let's just figure out a better way? Yeah. I mean, the government is terrible at running things like this. I think all sorts of organizations need to be rebuilt from scratch because over time they've all become corrupted. But when it comes to this, we have this ideology, this teaching of it's DEI, it's gender ideology, it's everything. The type of people who are allowed to stay in these positions where they work for CPS are only the people who agree to go along with all of this authoritarianism and the stripping of parents' rights. So these people think they're the saviors of these kids and that parents are the problem. And the ones who disagree with that, well, they don't have a job anymore. So yeah, I think we need to get rid of the whole system. How do we do that? I don't know. It's a big problem. But I think first we need to create awareness among the broad population about what's actually happening. We need to change the whole culture first, because until you can change the culture, you can't really change what's downstream of that, which are these government institutions. Yeah, I, I agree. And awareness is the key, I believe. There's just not enough eyes on the situation right now. We've often talked about that. And trying to get this, you're never going to get it in the mainstream media. I mean, this is going to be alt media. It's going to be, right. either, you know, maybe a conservative outlet might might touch it. But it, we, what we've found is even conservative networks don't want to touch this thing with the 10-foot pole. And, you know, yeah, it's you would changing. Think, I, you've seen some change in, in Canada and the U.S. or? Not so much in Canada. Okay. <laughs> Canada is a different ballgame. <laughs> Not even one of our conservative members of parliament will speak out about any of this. It's a total joke. Wow. But to give you, I mean, let's not be all black pilled. I'll give you some positivity. Just last August, I was meeting with some members of the House Oversight Committee, some of the staffers. That's the most powerful committee in Congress. And they didn't want to touch this issue of gender ideology, of transitioning kids. They didn't want to touch that. It was too hot to handle. They really just didn't understand it enough. Because when you don't understand it enough, you don't know how to talk about it, and then it's too scary. They were fine with taking on the sports issue because everyone can see six foot four inch Leah Thomas in the pool lapping the other women. He was 450th as a man. Now he's taking the gold medal in the NCAA as a fake woman. Everyone knows instinctively that's wrong. And that was a winning issue for them. But my message to these Republicans has always been, this is such a winning issue for you. If you talk about this issue of transitioning kids, just fact-based compassion, not bombastic, you'll never lose a Republican vote. You're only going to pick up the centrists and the moderates on the left. But I don't think they knew how to talk about this. So that's changing. Because one of the great things that happened last year, well, there were a couple of great things last year, I'd say. Matt Walsh's film was a big deal. What is a woman? It showed everyone that these so-called gender experts are clueless cult members who can't even answer the question, what is a woman? The head of the Women and Sexualities Department at these top universities can't even answer the question, what is a woman? This is all insane. But then these videos that I tweeted out that Boston Children's Hospital had produced 
really got the whole conservative movement going because this first video that their gender clinic there had produced, and this is the top ranked children's hospital in the country. I tweeted out this video about gender affirming hysterectomies. And it's this perky young woman talking about how they cut out the uterus of these girls. Sometimes they cut out their ovaries too. And it's got the inspirational music in the background and it's totally disgusting. And it's being done at a children's hospital. So this video started to take off and I thought I'd better record this because it's making them look awful and they're probably gonna delete it. Sure enough, later that night, they deleted it from their YouTube channel, the hospital did. So then I recorded about 40 more videos they'd produced. They deleted all of those too, but I still have them. And it's things like Dr. Jeremy Carswell, the director of the Gender Multi-Specialty Service at Boston Children's. She says, what is a transgender child? Well, it's things like a little girl trying to pee standing up or a little boy who doesn't want to get a haircut. Or if your child's playing with opposite gender toys, toys, this is a sign your child's transgender and can be treated. And people learn what they do to create these phalluses for these girls where they cut off all the flesh from their forearm and they roll it up into a fake phallus that they attach. And they learn that they're doing these surgeries on kids and they're cutting off the breasts of little girls. And once conservatives learned this was going on, it started off a wave of them investigating other hospitals. And now all the podcasters and all the conservative media talk about this every single day. And they're never going to stop talking about it until this child abuse stops. So we have about 25 states passing legislation now to end this child abuse, where less than a year ago, nobody wanted to talk about it. So we're making huge progress. And this yeah. is happening in other countries as well. Sweden, Finland, England, Norway, they've all stopped this practice or are stopping it. And it wasn't done by the politicians. It was done by the medical boards who conducted a review of the evidence and found there was none to support this. So we need to get these ideological people out of the American Academy of Pediatrics and the American Medical Association and the Endocrine Society, because they're all run by activists right now and they refuse to look at the evidence. So we need to create enough awareness so those people can get voted out and we can get some real medical professionals running these organizations. Go ahead, yeah. Um, I was gonna say with how uh, you were asking the question about like, should we uh, restart the whole thing over? like? tear it down with how he was saying like bringing awareness it's most important also educating people about it it's very important and also just having small talks with people and talking to them about it because that's what i do i just talk about it rather if people disagree or not agree or not i still talk yeah. about it because it's important you know i i sometimes i talk about it at my college when i visit you know talk about the sex trafficking or the different, you know, things that are going around the world. I get it, like, not everybody wants to talk about it, or maybe they care or don't, but, you know, I'm just one of those people that, regardless, I'm still going to talk about it if you care or not. So, yeah. Beautiful. Exactly. That's exactly what we have to do. We have to have conversations. We have to educate people. And I think where a lot of the conservative media and the Republicans fall down is they do try to make these combative issues too much when we really just need to have calm conversations because most people out there aren't pure evil. Most of the, a lot of the people, I won't say most, but a lot of the people pushing this, they think they're doing the right thing. They okay. want what's best for these kids, but they've fallen for these lies. They've been indoctrinated themselves. 
It's a lot of young women pushing this. Yeah. Well, guess what? Like any cult, and we have to view this like a cult. Mm -hmm. The dynamics are all the same. The people who get recruited into the cult, who are first victims, they then become the recruiters, and they bring other people into it. Yeah. So all these young girls are getting love bombed. They're not getting a lot of affection or love in, in society. They're having a tough time in life. They come out as trans. They get tons of attention. Feels great. They're part of a community now. That feels great. And now they're recruiting other like-minded girls in. And with these young women, well, they all know other girls who are transitioning. And this preys on their natural empathy because the left has been very successful in creating these talking points that this is helping a child to be who they really are. And that sounds lovely on the surface. And if you don't think longer than 10 seconds, I guess it remains sounding wonderful. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you dig into this and you discover what kinds of kids are actually transitioning, what they're doing to these kids, and when you find out all the studies into gender dysphoria show that 80 to 90% of kids with gender dysphoria historically just grew out of it. A lot of them grew up to be gay, by the way. Well, what are we doing transitioning all these kids? People don't know that these things are happening. They don't believe they're doing surgeries on children. They think there's some long, stringent, safeguarded process where the guardrails are up to prevent kids from just falling into this. But there are no guardrails anymore. People don't believe it. They don't know it. So we just have to educate them. And I'm a believer in the good of people. I think most people out there are very good. I think the media is the enemy of the people. They lie nonstop. They're pushing this agenda just as as they pushed other agendas. It was the media that popularized the prefrontal lobotomy, Mm. where they took ice picks and put them through the orbital sockets and jabbed away the prefrontal cortex of these people's brains. It was the media that popularized that. There were about 100,000 of those procedures done in America. The last one done actually ended in the death of the person they were doing it to. And that's what killed that. But those went on for 20 or 30 years. We don't have another 20 or 30 years to let this happen to kids. Because then we're going to end up with a million kids who've been harmed. So we all just need to do exactly what you're doing, KK, which is having conversations and educating one person at a time. Because this is so horrific. When someone actually learns what's going on, they end up telling 10 people or 100 people and it spreads from there. Yeah. Chris, I'm so glad you brought up the how it, it, it simulates a cult because it is a cult. It, this is mm-hmm. a religion. And you know, and I, it's funny because they always want to separate church and state. Well, <laughs> let's separate this one. This is a religion. It's a religion of pseudoscience. Same thing they did with, you know, the, I, I don't know where you stand with what happened with COVID and everything, but I mean, it, it, they were pushing a lot of narratives that were false narratives. So, you know, I'm pretty I'm sure. I'm on the side of truth and reality, so don't worry about <laughs> it. I know that was good. all fake. <laughs> yeah, I got it. It's not all <laughs> fake. There was a virus, but the way they treated it and everything. Exactly. There was no exactly. science but to that. It, yeah. You just see the same process with all of this stuff that they do. They roll yes. it out and, you know, they practice it first and then they, they roll it out to the public and scare everybody half to death on the mainstream media. That's that's the tactics. And this mm-hmm. cult of transgenderism, it is brainwashing and it's two, three generations deep. And I, you have to have empathy for this, these people that are victims of it. I'm not talking to ones talking about the ones that are perpetrating it or, or you know started this thing off and got the ball rolling, but the people that are involved in it, I do believe they really believe in it. I do mm-hmm. think that they think they are doing the best you know thing for the child mm-hmm. and most of them anyway. But the problem is, you and I know through science that is not good for a child. 
It's terrible for society. It's terrible for the family unit. It's terrible for everything. There's no positives that come out of that. And then usually after, even after they have the surgery, in fact, I remember, I think it was Johns Hopkins um, had a study. This was back, oh gosh, probably 15 years ago, maybe now. They had stopped doing surgeries at that time. I think they started up now, but they stopped doing uh, sex change surgeries because what they realized was 85 to 95% of the people that had the surgery ended up committing suicide. So it was a I mental... Was, the numbers was that are John's higher. Hopkins? I don't think the numbers are that high, but I would encourage... For, so for suicide statistics, I've got a bunch on my website. If you go to puberty oh. blockers and then the studies, I've got a bunch there. There's another website called statsforgender.org. If you enter suicide into the search bar, you'll find all sorts of great stuff. But the best study we have is actually out of Sweden where no one was lost to follow up. Because what happens in the United States and Canada, if people start transitioning and then they stop, nobody knows. Mm -hmm. They go to a different doctor, nobody knows. But none of these patients in Sweden were lost to follow up. And the statistics show that 10 years after transition, now this is for adults. There's no studies for kids, period. But with adults who already went through puberty, and still had this gender dysphoria. So this is more severe than what we're dealing with with a lot of these kids who just get it at the onset of adolescence. But with adults who had sex reassignment surgery, suicides peaked 10 years after the fact and were 19.1 times higher than their peers after accounting for other mental health comorbidities. So people with the same mental health comorbidities, those who transitioned 19 times more likely to kill themselves 10 years later. Wow. So the whole thing, this isn't healthcare. You know, we say adults can do what they want. And yes, sure, adults can modify their body if they want. However, doctors don't have to do that. Doctors don't cut off your leg. If you wow. say you have leg dysphoria and you want your legs chopped off, they won't do that. Because guess what? They swore an oath. First, do no harm. And what they should be doing is screening for other mental health comorbidities first. They should be screening for trauma and abuse. And hey, if someone, after all of that, and those things have been dealt with, if they want to transition as an adult, that's a different conversation. But a lot of these 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds, these are really still kids. They're messed up, they're struggling with something. And they don't get any treatment for that. And when you look at the stories of all these detransitioners, well, a lot of them did transition when they were 18, 19, 20, and now they have deep regrets. I tweeted out the story of a young man today. He's a gay man, but he was put on estrogen as a kid. He sounds like a boy. He had sex reassignment surgery, so he has no penis anymore. And he's just a gay man. If they'd left him alone, he would have figured it out but he wasn't treated for other mental health comorbidities he had either. This other story of a gay man who's 25 years old, I tweeted it out. He had sex reassignment surgery. Now he's 25, realizes he's just gay, but he developed what's called a fistula. It's this passageway between his urinary tract and his neo-vagina. He's been leaking urine continuously oh. for five years. For five years, he gets infections all the time. One of these days, one of these infections is gonna kill him. So doctors don't know how to fix him. They just want to close him up completely. But it's ruined his life. 
There's an indigenous man in Canada who just signed up for medical assistance in dying. You know, state-sponsored suicide because he transitioned and he's in chronic pain. This whole thing is a mess. But it's one thing to mess up adults. It's another thing entirely to start this with nine and ten-year-olds. Right. Mm. Horrifying. Absolutely horrifying. What happens if your child comes home from school one day, little Johnny comes home, and he wants to be Sally? How does that conversation look? Depends where you live. <laughs> I mean, in my house, that conversation is never going to happen because mm-hmm. it's just not. But in Canada now, and this is this, this, the case in many different states, I think about 19 states have conversion therapy laws. Now, some of these are written a little bit different than others. But in Canada, the gold standard for insanity it's now conversion therapy to help your girl feel comfortable as a girl. It's fine to tell her she's a boy. It's fine to put her on puberty blockers and testosterone, sterilize her, send her into teenage menopause, cut off her breasts. That's okay. But help her feel comfortable as a girl once she's identified as transgender, that's now considered conversion therapy. And anyone helping this child to feel comfortable with their sex, a parent, a counselor can face up to five years in jail or a $2 million fine. So what? what this has done is it stopped all the counselors, all the therapists in Canada. Very few will even talk to these kids. So the kids who need talk therapy the most, the therapists won't even talk to them because it's simply a matter of time until activists, crazy trans activists come for their business and say they're committing conversion therapy. And then they're in court trying to defend their practice. This same sort of law has passed in California and Washington state. I had a mom email me from Washington state trying to find a therapist for her gender dysphoric daughter because no one in the entire state would help her. She couldn't find anyone. How insane is that? So you ask, how does that conversation go? Well, that conversation should start with an investigation into what indoctrinated this child in the first place. And mm-hmm. any sources who are connected to these children, they need to be cut off. If it's online, you need to cut it off. Kids do not need social media, period. That's the worst thing ever for these kids. But if there's other kids in school who are influencing them, or if it's teacher, or if it's counselor, or it's whatever, you got to take that out of that child's life. And you have to work on your bond with your own child. You've got to make that bond as strong as possible. And if you have to pull that kid out of school, and move up into the mountains and work on a farm to get them yeah. reconnected to the real world. That's what you have to do because nothing's more important than your own child. I know people who've done that. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, with what happened here in America was with the CRT nonsense, the mama bears came out in packs. And I mean, they just literally went after these school boards. And I think that's, that's a good prototype for all of us you know for civil disobedience is at some point when when the moral law has deteriorated to the point that it's no more it's obviously there is no morality right now when do parents just stand up and say okay enough is enough we're going to go to the hospitals and have civil disobedience or we're going to go to these you know doctors homes like they did with uh, the supreme court justices back over abortion like there has to be a point well, where people are just going to rise up and do something like that. I mean, non-violently, obviously, but 
yeah, we don't have to go to those extremes. Of course, school boards are amazing. Mm -hmm. The FBI created threat tags last year for parents mm -hmm. speaking at school boards, labeling uh -huh. them domestic terrorists. But go to your school board meeting and raise hell. It gets recorded. Have a good speech. Get it recorded. We'll tweet it out. It'll get a million views. And we'll wake up a ton of the popula population that way. I've teamed mm -hmm. up with Moms for Liberty, which is this amazing organization. Yeah. Probably my best ally, my best friend in this fight is Tiffany Justice, co-founder of that organization. Her and Tina Deskovich were both school board members from 2016 to 2020. And then on January, January 1st of 2021, they founded Moms for Liberty. Mm -hmm. Just the two of them selling t-shirts out of a spare room. They now have 115,000 moms across the country, two and a half years later fighting all of this. They were fighting CRT, extremely influential. And that's just the power of a parent. Yeah. I'm, I'm nobody. I'm just a dad. And I just keep going out there day after day. I do a lot more media and podcasts now. But any free time I have, I'm going to be out there talking to people because it's just persistence. And it's a refusal to yield to these people who are trying to harm our kids and you just keep getting the message out there and you never quit and we're going to win because yeah. we have the truth on our side and the truth spreads for free so don't do anything too extreme you don't have to right. just go to a university campus and hang out on campus with a sign and start having conversations about this but first you got to get educated and you got to do this professionally you got to look good you got to act professional you have to stay calm you just have to take the abuse. Don't give it back. Just take it. You've got to be like Gandhi out there. You don't want to be scrapping in the street. That's not helping anyone's cause. But go to these school board me meetings. Join a Moms for Liberty, Liberty chapter. Join whatever group is in your area and get some help if you need it. But you got to do something. And the number one thing you can do is just get off the couch and start doing something because you don't know how that road is going to go. Doors are going to open. You're going to meet new friends who are like-minded, who are in this battle with you. And you're going to end up doing things that you never even conceived possible or would have thought of. But the number one thing is to just start fighting back because the left is extremely well organized and funded and they have huge numbers. And we're all kind of operating disjointedly, but we just got to get out there and do something. Mm -hmm. you know, I watched, I watched a couple of your videos where you were being assaulted. And I, when I say assaulted, he was literally physically assaulted. And I got to say, you maintained your composure. You didn't, you know, in, involve yourself in the language they were using against you. Uh, you kind of tried to protect yourself a little bit, even though, I mean, you were, you were mobbed a couple times. And, I, and I, I'm a Christian, so I, I believe, you know, I, I, I'll defend myself, I'll defend my family. But in a situation like that, I mean, there has to be a part of you that's a little bit fearful of what could happen in a huge mob like this. I mean, when 99% of people are against you, it does, it's got to cross your mind. It crosses my mind, yeah, but I don't know. I mean, I haven't been too worried. When I got jumped in Montreal, that happened with no warning. I just was standing there talking to someone. Next thing I knew, I was being punched in the face. And people were coming at me from behind and from my left and from in front of me. And I remember feeling a, like a, for a second there, I don't know what's happening. You know, this is a situation where 
he could potentially be killed. You don't know what who these people are. Um, so I'm aware that's a remote possibility. I mean, this guy the other day who grabbed my throat and then I took a punch and I got pushed by another guy from behind. Police were doing nothing. He could have a knife, I guess, and I could be dead right now. But what's the alternative? Do nothing? There's ways to do this safely. You don't have to go to these events like I do once in a while. I don't go to those sorts of events all the time. Normally, I'm just on a university campus where I'm out on the streets downtown where it's really busy having conversations with people. And yeah, even there, I take a bunch of abuse. But you can go places where it's safe. I think yeah. too many people, when they decide they want to fight back against this, they just look for reasons why they can't do it. Yeah. And if you look for reasons why you can't do it, you're going to find all sorts of reasons. Yeah. But if you look for ways to do it, you'll find lots of ways to do it. You can go to a state capital. You can walk in to the middle of these state capitals with your signs inside, having gone through a metal detector. And thousands of people will walk by you. I stood in the rotunda of the Texas State Capitol for six hours one day. Hmm. I'm safe as can be. Even outside, there's security. On university campuses, these kids aren't going to come and try to kill you because they'll get kicked out of school. It's different when there's a speaking event. They get into this mob mentality. But, you know, you just got to be smart. Get a group of people if you have to. Go somewhere nice. Go to, a, you know, a park where there's just families hanging out or whatever. Just do something. But to answer your question, am I fearful? Not really, honestly. I just kind of tune these people out. They don't really mean anything to me. Their words don't mean anything to me. Uh, these aren't usually the most fit people in the world. There's never a big, strong, athletic guy that has a problem with what I'm doing. No, like there, ever. No, there is. Like literally never does a big, strong athlete have a problem with me. So <laughs> I'm not really wor that worried about it. That's why I'm to look at it. <laughs> yeah. It's a good thing you're doing this. Yeah, it's a great thing. It, it's working. Yeah. Has, has let's talk about some positive things that have come out of this. I mean, there had to be some converts out there. I mean, you you were talking to a guy, maybe he was on the other side of the aisle and he's in your face and then you just kind of start spitting out some facts and reason with him and maybe something sparks inside of him. He says, "You know, that that makes sense. How come I didn't see it from that angle before?" I mean, I'm sure you've had those situations. Well, that's that's just yeah, that's just everyday stuff. Oh. Every conversation is a win. Even the people who are yelling at me I have tactics for them. With the hostile people, obviously you're not going to change someone's mind on the street when they're hostile. Yeah. But with them, my strategy is just to say something that they agree with, which is not hard to do. I'll just say, first of all, I don't think there's some right way to be a boy or a girl. If a girl wants to climb trees oh. and play in the dirt and throw around a football and have short hair and hates dresses. Well, guess what? She's a beautiful girl. Yeah. This ideology teaches that maybe she's a boy. And instinctively, all these people know, even the ones pushing this, they all know that stereotypes are wrong. So when you say we shouldn't put these kids in some stereotypical box, they all agree. Yeah. And they don't know what to say because they come up to me and I'm supposed to be this terrible bigot, one of the worst in the world. And I just said something that they can't help but agree with because they're confused. So in that moment, I've created cognitive dissonance where there's now two competing ideas going on in their brain simultaneously. Both of those ideas cannot coexist. So when they go home, they're going to have to figure out what my position actually is. And they might start questioning. 
So with these people who disagree with us, don't try to feed them information. That's a waste of time. You have to get them thinking and you do that by asking questions. Say something they agree with and ask questions. What does it mean for a girl to be a boy? What is a gender identity? They can't tell you. Right. I can tell you what a gender identity is based on the materials that these organizations produce. The most used resource all around the world is this cute little image of a gingerbread man, which they call the genderbread person because they don't want to misgender the poor guy. But it says right on there that your gender identity is based on your job, your personality, your hobbies, your roles, expectations, likes and dislikes. These are all sexist, regressive stereotypes. That's all it is. What does your job have to do with your gender? I had an hour and a half long conversation one day with a teacher on the street, the most woke teacher you could ever find. I showed her that definition and she said, oh, that's very problematic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's problematic. Jobs and hobbies don't determine your gender. Toys don't determine your gender, but this is what the top gender professionals in the world say. So when you point these things out to people, you just get them thinking because that's what we have to do. We just have to get these people thinking. They're indoctrinated into a cult and no cult member ever came out of it because their family member said, this is wrong and you're believing the wrong thing and blah, blah, blah. No, that's not how it works. They come out of this on their own and you have to get them questioning. Probably they already have doubts deep down inside because they know instinctively this is wrong. You just need to feed into those doubts a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, uh, ladies, any last questions for Chris? He answered uh, pretty much everything, I think. <laughs> sorry, I, I ramble for way too long. No, I, no, I we, no I, we love it because, yeah. I mean, this is this is our kids we're talking about. And mm-hmm. yeah. they're confusing me, and I'm an adult. So how right. are you expecting <laughs> our kids to understand this? I'm like, wait, what? I do not understand this at all. And and our kids are supposed to. And that's why it's been so successful because no one understands it. And a -hmm. great way to confuse and control a population, a great way to control a population is to confuse them. Confusion. Yep, confusion. Mm -hmm. So what is a transgender child? There is no such thing. There is yeah, it's just a label. That's rule number one. There is no such thing as a transgender child. They're called girls and boys right i say sometimes i tweeted out there are two sexes there are zero genders and there are infinite personalities that takes care of everyone mm-hmm. no matter how you are no matter how you behave how you want to present yourself whatever you're still male or female yeah. and that's just fine but this thing teaches that just because they're different that they're this identity label that they are trans. No, no one is trans. Transition is something you do. It's not something you are. And it's never for kids. It's it's Occam's razor. You break it down to the simplest form. And that's that's what it is. It's boys and girls. How we've forgotten that in society is beyond me. But it's, you know, I remember going to school. If someone seemed like, if it was a boy and he was feminine, effeminate, you just said, okay, you know, he'll probably grow out of it at some point. I remember I had girls in gym class. Yeah, growing up to be gay. Who knows? Or maybe gay. I had, I had, um, I had a girl in my gym class that could climb the rope like nobody's business. Right. I mean, she was faster than any of the boys. 
And she grew up, got married, she has children. But someone could have took her aside and said, you know, we think you're more like a boy. Would you be interested in this? And they could have indoctrinated her slowly, you know, fed her little spoonfuls of this indoctrination and got her Mm -hmm. to the point where who knows what would have happened. She wouldn't have had children. She wouldn't have been married and and had the life she has today. And how many of those kids are in those situations now because of what adults have done to them? It's, I mean, this is child abuse on a level that we've never seen before. It's just sad, really sad. So, uh, Chris, any last words before we let you go? Uh, if anyone wants to follow me, I do all my stuff on Twitter at Billboard Chris. I've got a bunch of videos up on Instagram, same handle at Billboard Chris. My website's billboardchris.com. And if you wish to support me in my travels around the world, because I'm going international now, I'm heading to the UK next month. Um, you can support me through there. But really, I just want everyone to get educated and keep having these conversations, especially with your teachers and your school boards. We got to push back. Well, Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We really appreciate your time. I know you're a busy guy and uh, we wish you the best. And uh, now that I know who Billboard Chris is, I'm going to be following you quite a bit. I really loved your stuff. I was watching a ton of the videos the last few days and really enjoyed them. So thank you very much. Good stuff. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Oh, sorry to misgender you, Sylvia and KK. (laughs) all right everyone have a good night thank you so much you too thank you all right (laughs) see you later that was a good joke (laughs) (laughs) so ladies um we'll have our meeting after this uh but i want to thank everybody on rumble that was watching we had a good crowd over there tonight from uh chris tweeted it out for us so that was good Thank you all so much for joining us. Please like and subscribe. Uh, Please share. That is so important because what we're trying to do here at Rescue the Fosters is spread the awareness of what is going on with the children in this country. And and not only here in Canada, Uh, CPS, foster care, transgenderism, all this nonsense is all to destroy the family unit and and especially abuse children. And uh, there are, you know, our most precious and vulnerable. So let's take care of them. Uh, what'd you think of Chris? I loved it. I love that he's out there doing this because he is making it, he is empowering others to speak up. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to empower others. And I can see that people are speaking up because they are encouraged and they're like, okay. And I love the fact that he, he will take the heat. He will take the abuse for other people. And, we need to be more like that yeah yeah i agree what about you kk oh are you frozen? Um, i there mean you i love what he i love what he's doing because you know it, it really just encourages and empower other people to talk about it and you know i've had a conversation yesterday with uh, one of my childhood friends and we were like we weren't necessarily talking about like the you know, transgender and all that, but we were talking a little bit about like the digital currency that's about to happen and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's just like cool just talking to people about certain things. And um, I think what he's doing is a great thing. So me too. Yeah. We need more people like that. People need to start getting active. Otherwise, they're <laughs> just going to run the table on us. I mean, and then, you know, in five years, we're all going to be going, 
gosh, I wish I would have done something. <laughs> it's, right. Now's the time. I mean, if you don't do it now, I don't, you're just, I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. And it's, I'm not trying to like degrade people or anything, but it's just time to do something, whatever you can do, whatever your capacity allows you to do. If it's writing emails, great. That, that helps. You know, <laughs> if it's writing physical snail mail, great. If it's, you know, protesting, great. If, it, you know, if it's starting a podcast, great. Whatever it is, whatever you can do in your community, it's, it's essential right now. You know, we, yeah. we saw that with the moms. I could just keep going back to the moms because I think they're so incredible what they did with the school boards. They yeah. literally threw people out, said, you're done. <laughs> we don't want you here anymore. Get out. I mean, they would shut yeah. them down. It was great. And we need more of that. And that's not, there is nothing wrong with that. That's an, our constitutional right. If our rights are being trampled, and they are, and we have mm -hmm. a tyrannical government, and we do, then it's time for, like, you know, we had a, the guest on the other night, Jeff Younger. He was saying mm -hmm. he thinks it's, it's time for civil disobedience. I don't believe that it's total, you know, total and complete civil disobedience yet. I hope it never gets to that point. I truly believe that God's going to step in and I think there's going to be some divine things happening. Um, it will require people to do things though. It's not like we just sit back and say, okay, God, come and take, take it. You know, no, he wants us to do things, but he will have a hand in it for sure. But if, if it gets any worse and you know, they're trying to indoctrinate my child, I'm going to ever, I will be viral. Right. <laughs> I guarantee you, I will be at that school board meeting and you will hear my voice and I'll, I'll give it right to Chris and he can shove it out on his platforms and I'll have my million views and we'll stop it dead in its tracks. Cause I can, I know I can get enough parents around here that would say, yeah, that this ain't happening. Um, and that, that's what it takes. And I don't like being the center of attention, but if you have to, to defend your child and defend others, you know, Jesus said, it's better to lay down your life, right. For, for a friend. You know, who, who, if, and that's what Chris is doing. He's, you know, let's face it. I mean, there's some abusive people that he's running into out there. These people don't have his best interest in mind. They want to do bodily harm to him. Now, thank God most of them don't, but there's some radicals out there that do. I watched some of the videos. I mean, it's horrible. Yeah, I watched some of them too. Yeah. yeah. And, and I have I, a friend I like, that, that gets beat up. I would I mean. be the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Would I react the same way? I would hope that I would react the same way, but I'm not sure because I'm a little spunky. <laughs> We've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> the Georgia Bulldog. <laughs> no, I I don't know. I'll tell you what, I would defend myself. I can I guarantee you that. You're not just going to punch me in the face. <laughs> I can tell you, I assure you that. That won't happen. Defense, you know, biblically, I can defend myself. If I'm being beaten... I'm going to defend myself. I'm not going to just, you know, turn around and turn the cheek and say, oh, go ahead and hit the other one. That's not what Jesus meant by that. Self-defense yeah. is biblical. And if someone's threatening my life, I have every right to defend my own life. And what, yeah. whatever means that takes to defend it. But, uh, you know, that's not really my thing, getting out in public like that. I mean, I, I don't like being out in the street and, you know, doing that kind of stuff. That's not my thing. It's never been. Um, but that's what I'm saying. There's people that are... Cast. Yeah. Yeah, there's people that are built for that, though. I mean, there's people that love that, you know, to get out there. I had a guy on my other show. He goes in the, he goes right into the heart of um, Square. What is it? Uh, oh, I always forget the name of it in, in New York where they do New Year's Eve. Times um, Square. Times, he, yeah, he goes right in the heart of Times Square and he's got signs. I mean, like, you know, Jesus is Lord and all that. And people are just like every day they're throwing things at him and spitting on him and you know pushing him around and he does it every day pretty much every day i think it's six days a week and i was just like man how do you get up in the morning and say drink your coffee you know and you're like ah, okay what well, 
well, get let's go up. get a beat up. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's a different breed. Yeah. We'll stick to yeah. podcasting. <laughs> yes, we will. Well, it's nice and safe behind my screen right here. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, another one in the books, ladies. Man, these guests got some great people. Man, just yes. awesome guests. Awesome guests. All right. Well, uh, hang out, ladies, because we're going to have our little Rescue the Fosters meeting on Zoom after this. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and play our outro. Oh, you know what I didn't do again? Yeah. Go ahead and play the commercial. Should I play it? Yes. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I was thinking about it, but I don't like interrupting the guests when they're on a roll. You yeah, know, I don't. No, I don't... Yeah, that's the hard part, but I really have to start doing that. So, you know, guys, I'm going to go ahead and play our sponsors. Please support our sponsors. When you support our sponsors, you're going to be directly supporting Rescue the Fosters. So, in fact, I still have to figure out how I collect the money from (laughs) from our sponsors. I I don't even know how to do it. So I got to figure that out. I I think I need to call them. Uh, So, yeah, yeah, guys, please support MyPillow and ZStack. Glendale, and in light of the recent events, your continued support means everything to myself and my employees. To thank you, we're having the biggest sale ever on all my pillow bedding. Get my pillow bed sheets for as low as $29.98. A set of pillowcases for only $9.98. In this economy, instead of buying a new bed, rejuvenate your bed with a my pillow mattress topper for as low as $99.99. We also have blankets in a variety of sizes, colors, and styles, like plush, waffle, or gossamer, for as low as $29.98. We even have pet blankets from small size to the ones for your car. Get huge discounts on duvets, quilts, down comforters, and so much more. So go to MyPillow.com or call that number on your screen. Use your promo code and you'll get huge discounts on all MyPillow bedding, including MyPillow bed sheets for as low as $29.98. Get all your shopping in while quantities last. Please order now. It's a general uh, immune health preventive strategy. So you need vitamin D, then you need zinc, which is the bullet, and then to form a functioning gun, you need vitamin C and quercetin. Patients were having trouble sourcing it because it was four different ingredients that were not always available in the same place. They had trouble finding the right doses. It was a puzzle that was a little too complex for people to put together. So I was asked to produce something that has everything in one package. So with the help of my colleagues, we were able to produce a compound called Z-Stack, which basically has vitamin C, vitamin D, and most importantly, has quercetin and zinc. And all I'm allowed to say is that it's an immune booster and nutritional supplement, which it is. All right, welcome back to Rescue the Fosters. Thank you so much for joining us tonight and our special guest, Billboard Chris. Ladies, another one in the books. Who do we have next week? Do you know? I'm not going to say. Oh, it's a surprise? Or you don't know? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I got to (laughs) look. See, KK, how I call her out. I don't let her get away with that crap. Uh, I love you guys. <laughs> All right. Well, 
hang on. We're going to have our meeting after this. Thank you again, everybody, for joining us. Be blessed. I will see you on Sunday. What is today? Thursday? Yeah, I think Sunday evening, 7.30. No, we're going to do 8.05, the blender, the return of the blender this Sunday. we got some good stuff coming up in there, too. So have a great night. Be safe. And I'm going to scroll through and try to find my outro. <laughs> I'm trying to t delay. <laughs> I need a producer, man. I need someone that knows how to work this stuff. All right. Have a good night. Thank you.